Hello, and welcome back to Grateful Gwenna. We're so glad you've joined us again today. I hope that you're safe and being blessed by God daily. If you're not safe, or if you know who someone who's experiencing domestic violence, please call the National Center for Domestic Violence hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. It's a completely confidential call if you request it, and they will help you. There is hope for you out there. So today's topic is, do we attract abusive people? If we're female, if you're a woman, do we attract abusive men? And I've had counselors and therapists and licensed psychologists and educators on the subject tell me many times over the year, you might want to examine why you're attracted to this type of man. But <clears throat> again, I will um, refer to Patrick Weaver Ministries on Facebook. He is actually the only person in my 50-some years of life now whom I've seen or witnessed actually totally understand where we're coming from as domestic violence victims and survivors and thrivers. And he says, and I totally wholeheartedly agree with him, it's not that we're attracted to an abuser. Sometimes abusers seek us out. <clears throat> A lot of us who have succumbed or fallen prey or victim or been victimized by an abuser, a lot of us are considered empaths. We empathize with other people. We can feel what they're feeling or we, um, we have a grand compassion for them more than normal. I know I have this uncanny and irregular ability to walk into a room and I can feel what someone might be experiencing or feeling. I remember one, <clears throat> excuse me, one time years ago, I was walking through an airport and I happened to be by myself. I had probably walked to the restroom or something. And I was walking through the middle of an airport hallway. And actually it wasn't a hallway. It wasn't, it was just through the airport, but it was this long airport. And <clears throat> as I walked by a bench, there was a person sitting on that bench and I didn't even notice this person, honestly, when I first walked by and I kept walking by. And as I walked by, I got this overwhelming feeling and a thought in my head, you should turn around and ask her if she's okay. And I'm like, this is a complete stranger at an airport. I mean, this is gonna, people gonna think I'm crazy. Even back then, like nowadays, definitely. But back then, even back then, someone would think you're crazy if you're talking to a complete stranger who's just sitting on an airport. But <clears throat> I have learned to listen to that voice because that voice that says these random things to me in my head that, I mean, I wasn't paying attention. I didn't even realize there was a bench, let alone a person sitting there. 
but I've learned to listen to that voice. And I know that it's almost always the Holy Spirit speaking. I know that was the Holy Spirit speaking that to me. Excuse me. And it's almost always the Holy Spirit speaking that stuff to me. And I've learned to obey it because otherwise I regret it later or, you know, I miss an opportunity to bless someone. So I turned around and it's not my favorite thing to do because it always requires me to do something completely out of my comfort zone and completely uncomfortable for me. But I want to walk in obedience to the Lord, my God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I turned around and the person looked up at me. And I said, are you okay? And I just felt, I, I, don't, I can't describe it. I just felt like something was a little off. Something wasn't quite right. I don't know what it was, but I obeyed that voice in my head and said, are you okay? And she looked at me and I mean, I was genuinely concerned then because I saw the look in her eyes and she starts crying. And so I'm about to move toward her to try to, you know, take, stop and take some time out of my day and just try to comfort this poor lady who's sitting there in the middle of the airport on a bench crying now because I asked her, are you okay? And the Holy Spirit speaks to me again in my mind, totally the opposite of what I think and says, now leave, leave her alone. What? <laughs> Why did you make me make this poor girl cry and then tell me to leave? I still, to this day, I still don't know why he had me do that. I don't know. Maybe she just needed to know someone cared. Maybe she had just prayed and said, God, if you care about me, have somebody ask me, how are you? Do Are you okay? I don't know. All I know is I had to walk in obedience. And so, of course, I walked away praying for her. But it was so hard to walk away and leave her there crying like that because she was obviously distraught. But I don't know, maybe those were tears of blessing because, you know, she had, um, maybe I, maybe she had prayed, like I said, and, and asked God to have someone show her, to, maybe she had asked God to show her that he cared about her by someone saying, are you okay? Or maybe she had said, Nobody cares about me. Nobody ever asks if I'm okay. I don't know. I don't know. God knows though. And God knows exactly what she needed. And maybe that was her release of whatever she needed to start finding and experiencing healing. Um, so, you know, people who don't understand or have not experienced abuse themselves, thank God, because I don't want anyone to experience that. But they often don't understand a lot of the nuances and dynamics of abuse. And they often ask well-meaning, well-intended questions. And they often have, obviously, good intentions. And they're trying to help you the best they know how. But they often ask questions that, instead of helping, they actually make it worse. Like, why did you stay with him? Or, you know... Why do you think you are attracted to this type of man? What is it in you that's... Not that there's nothing in you that's attracted to this type of abuse. Are you kidding me? Nobody's going around subconsciously seeking to be abused. I'm sorry, but that's absolutely ludicrous. Um, and all these questions are trying to help without realizing that they're placing blame on the victim. They're placing blame on the one who's the one who's being victimized, the one who's being abused. 
It is not the fault of the one being abused. It is the choice, the conscious choice of the person abusing. <clears throat> and it's instead of asking, why did you stay with him? We Instead of asking the, the victim, why did you stay with him? Or asking the woman, why did you stay with him? Or why did you stay so long? There's so many reasons for that, as I've discussed in other podcast episodes. But instead of asking the, the victim, why did you stay we should be asking the abuser, why did you abuse? <clears throat> we need to be forcing the abuser to take a look at his actions. What caused you to abuse? What motivated you to abuse? What made you think that was okay? And if you don't think that was okay, why did you do it? And if you kept doing it, why did you keep doing it? We need to have the abusers examine themselves because the problem isn't in the victim. The problem is in the abuser making the choice, the conscious choice to abuse. Maybe they were abused as a child. Maybe they have some patterns in them that they don't realize. Or maybe they do realize. And maybe they're struggling to get rid of it. The abuser is the one who needs that healing. So... Um, the abuser is the one we need to be asking, why are you abusing? So instead of asking the, the victim, why did you stay? Or why didn't you leave? Or why didn't you leave sooner? Or why did you stay so long? Why did you this? Why did you that? Why did you? We need to be asking the abuser because the abuser is the one who is dominating and brainwashing and controlling and manipulating. So we need to get them to examine themselves. Why are they doing this? Are they insecure? Um, is all they know abuse? Uh, you know, what, what exactly is it? And then we need to stop acting, asking the victim, why do you think you're attracted to this type of man? Maybe we should be asking the abusers, why do you think you're attracted to empaths? Or why do you think you're why do you think you're attracted to people that you can manipulate or control or boss around or abuse? Let's just be honest. And I will tell you from experience, the worst thing that you can say to an abuser as a victim is using the word abuse. They don't like it. They don't want to admit it. Um, and most of them, in my opinion, are in denial So, um, again, this is just a really short podcast today, but let's stop asking, asking victims these questions that place blame on the victim for allegedly allowing it to happen because there are multiple dynamics that go on in an abusive relationship that we don't know about because we're not there with them behind closed doors. Finally, I will say that um, my ex-husband who was my abuser, um, my primary abuser, he, I have learned, um, he became very good friends with one of the pastors slash leaders at our old church. And he told this pastor a bunch of lies. I found, found out many years after we got divorced. And this pastor slash leader who was in charge of the care ministries at our old church 
which was, you know, a ministry outreach to the poor of the community and like helped with um, Habitat for Humanity house builds and helped with food drives and things like that. That pastor leader believed everything my ex-husband told him. And most of it was lies. Most of what he told him was lies. And so these abusers, they get people in the community and especially in the church to believe them. But just remember, if you're a pastor or a leader or a clergyman or a priest or whatever, or none or whatever you are, just please remember, you don't know what's going on behind closed doors because you're not there. So don't take people at their word for what they're telling you because it's quite possible that they could be abusing their victims at home. And last thing, finally, marriage counseling does not work for abuse. Reconciliation is not a goal for abusive relationships and abusive marriages. All reconciliation does is enable the abuse to continue and enable the abuser to continue being violent with his wife. The ultimate goal, unlike Christianity, is not to be reconciled with your husband. The ultimate goal should be to keep you and your children, if you have them, safe from being dead. I'm going to say it bluntly. You know, I was in denial for many years. I didn't think that the abuse was bad enough, but it kept escalating. And some people, when I finally started sharing a little bit of my story, would tell me it's only going to get worse. And I'd be like, no, no, he's not like that. And Luke 137 says nothing is impossible with God. But guess what? They were right. And I was wrong. And yes, nothing is impossible with the God. But the key words on that scripture are with God. And when your husband is abusing you, trust me, he is not with God. God does not condone that kind of behavior. God doesn't want you being hurt physically mentally, emotionally. We all make mistakes, but I'm talking about real abuse here, not my husband won't vacuum for me. So I'm sorry, get over it. It Like that stinks. You know, it'd be nice if he'd help you clean, but that is not true abuse. It's not nice. It's not kind. It's not supportive. It's not gentlemanly, but it is not true abuse. I'm talking about true abuse here. And God did not design you to be abused. God did not God did not create you to be abused and it is not your job as a wife to be submissive to an abusive husband. God never calls you to that. And I don't care what church leader tell tries to tell you or tells you that you need to forgive your husband. Forgiveness? Yes, because in Matthew it says if we don't forgive we won't be forgiven. But forgiveness does not necessarily imply reconciliation. And forgiveness does not necessarily say we have to live with an abuser. It doesn't say that at all. In fact, God says the exact opposite. In the book of Malachi, God says that he hates violence. And he hates violence towards wives by husbands. So remember, beloved, God loves you. And a husband who's abiding by and following his marriage covenant will not abuse you. And for everyone else, leaders, pastors, counselors, whoever you are, I'm not an expert, but I can tell you from experience, 
one of the worst things you can ask someone who's being abused is, why did you stay or why are you staying or why aren't you leaving? Don't do that. Be supportive of them. Be there and let them make a choice. Did you know the average victim of domestic violence takes at least seven times leaving before she finally leaves her abusive partner permanently? Seven times. Pray for her. Support her. Give her an option to come to you if she needs it. I guarantee you she will keep you in mind. So, and let's not ask abuse victims why they're attracted to abusers. I'm sorry, but my personal opinion, that's absolutely ridiculous. It's the abusers who are seeking them out. It's the good hearts. Just because someone is kind and compassionate and empathetic and has a good heart, (coughs) excuse me, does not mean that we need to analyze why it's not the victim's fault. Let's stop blaming and shaming the victim. Thanks for listening. God bless you. Stay safe. I love you. And remember, Jesus loves you more. Until next time.